Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Maddie's having a bit of a rough day. One, she hates military time, which I think is ironic because that's what we use in this house most of the time. And It's stupid. It's stupid. (laughs) And two, she has cat piss in her shoe bin right now. (laughs) And throw up on my body pillow. Cat throw up on my body pillow. Today, we are talking about the Cowden family. Who would go on a fun family camping trip during the Labor Day weekend of 1974? And this decision would lead to a mystery more than 50 years old. Now, the family lived in White City, Oregon. Richard was 28 and worked as a logging truck driver, and his wife, Belinda, was 22. They had two children, David, who was five, and Melissa, who was five months. And the family loved to camp. So she had David when she was like 17. On August 30 of 1974, Richard and Belinda took their two children and their basset hound, Droopy, who was a puppy, by the way. They went camping at Siskiyou Mountains, which are a coastal subrange of the Klamath Mountains in northwestern California and southwestern Oregon. And they would be on the Oregon side in a town named Cooperville. Now, Cooperville actually no longer exists, and it was inundated with water in order to create Applegate Lake in 1980. So this area where they actually went camping no longer exists as a camping area. They would stay in Rogue River National Forest in the Siskiyou Mountains. The mountain range forms a barrier between the watersheds of Klamath River to the south and the Rogue River to the north. The PCT actually has a section that goes through here. Now, this was a last-minute spontaneous trip for Memorial Day weekend, and originally Richard had planned to haul a load of gravel for his driveway and spend the weekend working on that. But when the truck broke down, they changed their plans and decided to take the kids camping. They planned to camp from August 30 to September 1. So they would be done September first was a Sunday, so they would be done by Sunday night. Upon arriving at the campground, they parked their 1956 Ford pickup on Carberry Creek Road, a short distance from the campsite. And they had stayed at this campground and even this site many times, so they knew the area pretty well. And Belinda's mom actually lives really close to this and works, I believe, at the general store nearby. On September 1 of 1974, at 9 a.m., Richard and his son David arrive at the Copper General Store, where they purchase milk for the family. They then head on foot in the direction of their campsite, and this would be the last sighting of any of the Cowden family. Later that evening, the family had plans to stop at Belinda's mother's house for dinner on the way home. She lived one mile from the campground. So she's expecting them at like 5 p.m. for dinner, and they don't show up. So after a while, she actually decides to head to their campground to see if there's some sort of problem. Like maybe they got hung up there, maybe something happened. She calls a family friend named Guy Watkins to go with her. They arrive at the campsite, and there is no sign of the family. Richard's 1956 truck is parked near the tent, and the keys were on the picnic table. 
The family's clothes were neatly folded in the tent, but their swimsuits did seem to be missing. So had they gone swimming and lost track of time? We don't know at this point. Also in the tent was one of Belinda's blouses, shirts, I don't know, that had been torn in two, and it was the only article of clothing that was not folded. David's shoes and the baby's diaper bag were also there. There was a plastic dishpan nearby that was full of cold water on the ground, and the stove was out. So it kind of just looks like they're in the middle of doing stuff, cleaning up maybe, and just walked away. I said, and we're all wearing their bathing suits. Yeah, which I know when we go camping sometimes, we just like have our bathing suits on because we'll go like swimming in the river and things like that. So I mean, who knows if that's related. There is also a half-finished carton of milk and food on the picnic table. Richard's fishing poles were leaning on a nearby tree, and most disturbingly, Belinda's purse was on the picnic table and Richard's wallet, which had $23 of cash in it. And his expensive watch was in the dirt, along with an open pack of cigarettes, which were the brand that Belinda smoked. Belinda's mom and the family friend, they hang out for about an hour before they get concerned and end up notifying the authorities because... They're like, if they did go swimming, it's getting late now. Where are they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the sheriff, troopers, and the District 3 office of the state police came to the scene and searched until nightfall and found no sign of the family. So Lieutenant Mark Kieser would head up the investigation, and he would say that the investigation had been delayed maybe a day since there was no indication that there was any foul play. Right, which they do search for the family, but they don't bring out, like, the resources. They don't bring out, like, the dogs and everybody. Because at this point, it just looks like they walked away from the campsite. Yeah, you think an entire family just walked away from their campsite and all of their belongings into the woods and that's still not concerning? Well, especially with a baby. I, I would say that that's very unlikely, yeah. Like, I think that just saying that they walked off. But... <laughs> But where'd they walk off to? Why'd they walk off? Well, and and that's part of probably what they were trying to figure out in the beginning of this investigation, right? Is did this family have a reason to walk away? He did say the camp was spooky and even the milk had still been on the table. Had Richard and David been followed back to their campsite by someone? Because they know that the two of them left the campsite and maybe somebody thought it was just the two of them and followed them back was the only thing they could really come up with at this point. It sounds like they all went swimming and drowned to me. And this is a theory that police do look into. On September 2, in the early morning, the family dog would show up at the front door of the Copper General Store. And this would only concern everyone even more. Yeah, hey, the dog goes chasing after the family. Yeah, that would be very concerning because this may be... This may be a puppy, but the fact that it's missing with the family initially and now it's shown up at the general store, which we know the father and son went from the campsite to the general store, so the dog could have easily found its way also, there. Also, if you do get lost in the woods, your dog will f- probably find its way out. Yeah, don't don't be worried don't about, worry your, about dog. your dog. We They'll see probably that, find it. We see that all the time where the dogs turn up 
and the owner. We've had at least four cases where the dog the has dog turned turns up. up, but the owner doesn't. I not. actually don't think we've ever had a case where someone went missing with a dog and the dog didn't turn up. Now, two sightings do come forward. At 2.30 p.m. on the 1st, so the day that the family goes missing, a camper reported that she had seen the dog at their campsite that was about four miles from the Cowden's campsite. And then at around 6 p.m., another camper reported seeing the dog walking alone even further from the campsite. So your dog's going to wander around. They did take prints of the dog in case they came across any paw prints and wanted to compare them. Smart. Although this would end up not doing them much good because once the search dogs come in, it contaminates everything, right? The search would be massive, and it would include the state and local police, Forest Service, the National Guard, Explorer Scouts, and hundreds of volunteers. The Forest Service would search the 25 miles of roads and trails around the campsite. There was also a lot of underground mines that had to be searched as well. Kids fell in an underground mine. Where are the parents then? Tried to help them and ended up dying in the process of trying to help them at the bottom of a mine shaft. Both adults should not climb into the mine shaft, by the way. Somebody should go get help if that did ever happen. But helicopters and planes would search from the air with infrared and still find nothing. Has anyone even been found via infrared? You know, I actually don't know. We do, uh, we talk about that in a lot of cases where almost every helicopter has infrared. Because I'm wondering at this point in our case, we've done so many goddamn missing cases, people found, people missing, people gone missing and were found and all of that stuff, which does any of these things even work? Do they even ever well, find anyone via the search dogs? Do they ever like, is any of this ever been proved <laughs> to work? Because so as far as I know... Or as far as I can imagine from what I've heard, search dogs are more effective in these searches than infrared. But I do think that by the time helicopters and planes usually get into the sky to search, it's too late by then. Okay. The reason we still do it, though, is because some people have survived days or weeks. So... It's like that chance, but the majority of people who go missing in the woods are not prepared to survive days or weeks. And this family sure as hell isn't. Like, I'm not saying that these people who are searching in this case isn't even, like, my deciding factor of, like, why are we using this infrared? Like, that's not it right. at all, by the way. Just let it's me preface the fact that. that we rarely find anybody that way. Yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering because, like, this is, a like, I'm sh- like, a lot of money goes into this stuff and a lot of these things. Like, I'm wondering how effective these things are. Are, I don't know. I mean, it is very, I, I hear what you're saying. It is very frustrating. And I do feel like if we could get a helicopter up immediately in some of these cases, it would turn out a lot different, potentially, or infrared would be more effective. Yeah, because I feel like, like, oh, the helicopter's up in the air with infrared searching. They never fucking find anything. The helicopter's... In their infrared searchings, never finding anything. Anytime the helicopter's ever found anything, it's because they have other information. Well, and thick canopy also doesn't help with helicopter searches, right? Because even in the desert, though, helicopters aren't very good at finding people. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. But on the 6th, 
A lieutenant tells the press that law enforcement is working on information that the family is no longer in the area of their campsite. But we don't know what information they're working on when they make this announcement. And I think that's actually kind of reckless unless they have like solid information. But after no sign of the family, the search would be suspended on September 7th. Yeah, good. I'm glad that we brought the information somewhere else away from their campsite, away from where they probably are. Well, it's like they announce they announce that they don't think they're there anymore and then immediately suspend the search the following day. That's some great work, Mr. So, Lieutenant. I don't know. I And I don't know what information they're working on. I, I don't understand why. Maybe, maybe they're just thinking they can't be here because we haven't found them. We see that all the time. <laughs> Which is just the biggest load of shit and the biggest load of arrogance I've ever seen where it's like, we haven't found them, so they must not be here. We looked everywhere. They're just... It's like when you send Cordy into her room for look, to look for her shoes, and she's like, my shoes aren't in here. <laughs> well, your shoes can't be anywhere else, so where are they? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. No, I hear you. Also, the whole, like, oh, well, we have other information, and that's why we're working in other areas. It makes you seem really fucking suspicious. To me. Mm-hmm. Like, as someone on the outside looking in at the law enforcement being just like, tell we us have what the information other information is, is yeah, just, and we're working on this. Like, just tell us, just tell us you're not looking is, for yeah. the family. Yeah. Just tell us that you're suspending searches early. Like, just And you also have to realize that this is seven days after they've gone missing. So we've got two children, two adults who don't appear to have any supplies on them. They don't even have their warm clothing. They have bathing suits right only thing that appear to be missing right sure so the chance of them surviving in the woods longer than a week is probably kind of low not with a baby friends and family would be unable to give up the search though and they would continue to search weekends and vacations on their own and they would spend a ton of time in the woods trying to find the family law enforcement also is adamant on this day that they believe the family could have been abducted. So the day that they stopped the search, they're saying, we think maybe the family was abducted. And maybe that's why they don't think they're in the area anymore. That's really comical, actually. Yeah, I don't... I would really like to know what tip they were working on Because in the beginning, they are like, no, this is no type... We need to delay the search, actually, because... This definitely isn't foul play in any way, shape, or form. So we actually need to delay the search a day, and then... A week later, they're going to be like, oh, wait, family's not here. Can't find them. Oh, must be foul play. Must be foul play. Now, considering that, I'm not sure why the FBI is not called in. Even though there was a petition going around that was signed by more than 200 people to try to get the governor to intervene in this case. But it does not happen. And now, especially that they're saying foul play could be involved. And there's children involved. I don't know. Yeah. So... They can't find any reason why this family would take off because, like, voluntarily. Because how even would have they? Well, like, say they maybe had a lot of debt or had done something illegal or something like that. But they don't seem to have any issues like that. Their bills are paid on time. They have a mortgage on their three-bedroom house. They have two cars, a line of credit for one of the cars and for a vacuum cleaner. And they have two small savings accounts. There's nothing crazy in any of their finances that police can find. Mm, I'd still run away. Find a mortgage on a house. 
And a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, and a <laughs> vacuum cleaner. I would definitely run away from For a. Madison, it's the line of credit on the vacuum cleaner that she's piecing out and leaving her family at this point. <laughs> that would push her over the edge. I had to get a line of credit for my vacuum cleaner. That is how it's To sad. clean up after my messy kids. Yeah, no, I'm out. So David was not Richard's son. And David is the five-year-old boy. So... The wife had been married before, and as we said earlier in the episode, she had him when she was 17. And there was no sign that the father of David had been involved in any way. Well, but you never know, right? Like, she does leave him. She gets remarried. She has another baby. But from everything that they could find, they actually had a really good relationship with David's father. Yeah, so their house was in perfect order, and there was no indication that they hadn't planned on coming back. And robbery obviously wasn't a motive because the purse, the wallet, cars, all that shit was still there. Um, Which is weird because if somebody was going to kidnap this family, right, like they think, why would they not take the, at least the money and the, the, the purse, you know, things like that, the watch. And, um... There would be sightings of the family in Seattle and San Francisco. Like we see in every There's always case. people are batshit crazy. Police even followed up on four different psychics and a biker gang that had been in the area for the holiday weekend. Both led to nowhere. So Richard's family scraped together a reward. And this was their plea to the public. Even though we try not to let our hopes dwindle that they will be found alive. We ask that you will even check freshly turned piles of earth. In other words, like, we're trying to keep our hopes up, but we know that the possibility of them being alive is probably slim. So check everywhere. We ask that you will even check freshly turned piles of earth. Mm -hmm. On April 12 of 1975, two men in their 20s were hiking through the woods near Carberry Creek, hoping to find some gold. Why is everyone looking for gold? (laughs) Why not? What they did find would be far more disturbing. One of the men had been picking up some quartz when he tripped and fell flat on the ground, and when he lifted his head, he was face-to-face with a skull. The two fled the area and notified police about their discovery, and police would find the decomposing body of a man tied to a tree And it would turn out to be Richard Cowden. And this is about seven miles from where the Cowden family had been camping and was up a steep hill. About 100 feet away, they would find Belinda, David, and Melissa stuffed into a cave. And the entrance to the cave had been sealed with rocks. This is April... They went missing in August of 74. This is April of 75. So, I mean, this is coming up on a year of mm-hmm. them being missing. Ugh. I can't even handle it. Now, an autopsy would be unable to determine the cause of death for Richard. Because remember, he's out in the elements. His skull is not attached to his body at this point. Mm-hmm. And they find no obvious cause of death. But his bones have been broken apart a bit, so it's kind of hard to tell. Trigger warning. If you don't want to hear how the family dies, go ahead and skip about five to ten seconds. 
yeah. and then come back in because nobody needs to hear this. I wish I didn't have to hear this. Belinda and five-year-old David both died from a 22 caliber gunshot wound to the head. And baby Melissa died from severe head trauma from blunt force trauma. And the coroner believed that she had been beaten to death. Okay, we're back. If you skipped that part, good for you. Here we go. Now, of course, authorities had to consider whether or not Richard had killed his family and then killed himself. But they were unable to find a gun anywhere. And he was tied to a tree. So I thought that was the first thing we talked about, how he killed them if he was tied to a tree. Yeah. Well, and also, he's kind of decomposed a little bit. So there's rope there. There's evidence that he was tied to the tree, but it's hard to tell, like, how secured he was to this tree or anything like that. So I think initially you find an entire family dead. That's one of the things you consider, but they quickly ruled that out as a possibility. So then they had to consider, was the family killed by someone they knew? Or was this a stranger? And for God's sake, why? We know that whatever happened to the family happened after Richard and David returned from the general store. They're also seven miles from the campsite. So were they abducted and driven to this location? Was there accessibility for cars? There was, actually. Okay. So you're telling me that this area is drivable and they didn't find the family? You're telling me they could have driven to this location? Remember, they searched a 25-mile radius and didn't find them. So, there's also this, and I don't know how much we can rely on this statement, but a resident who volunteered in the search was sure that he had previously searched the cave in the early days of the search, and he said that the family was not there. Police actually took him to the area, and he was able to point out the cave that the family had been in, that he said he had searched. But we don't know. If they had been there the whole time, then police and search teams had only missed them because no one climbed the steep hill to look. Because they did actually, the search team did actually search this area, but they couldn't recall if anybody had gone up the steep hill to look up there. Although the one resident did say that he searched that cave at some point in the early days. Why did no one go up the hill? Why did no one take a dog up the hill? Like, Are you seriously that fucking lazy that all of Search and Rescue cannot recall if anyone walked up a goddamn ridge with a dog? Are you kidding me? Well, think about it. We've been out searching, right? Like, we've been out there. We've been searching. And there are places that we have gone up and climbed in crazy locations where a lot of people might not do that because they wouldn't assume that a missing person would go up there. But this is a full-ass missing family and full-ass search and rescue and they didn't go up there? They couldn't recall if they had gone up there. Now, on April 22, a family from California comes forward after police announced that they were looking for a family that had been hiking in the area of Carberry Creek as they thought that the family might have interacted with the Cowdens or possibly seen or interacted with the killer not realizing it. So other people in the area had reported that there was another family in the area. So the police are looking for that family. Right. So they put a call out like, hey, if you were camping in this area, please come forward. And this family from California does come forward. They said that they were at the campground and that they observed two men and a woman parked in a pickup truck on the side of Carberry Road. 
and they felt uneasy and felt like the truck was waiting for them to move on. And because they felt uneasy, they did. They moved away from this area. But they did not recall seeing the Cowdens. An older couple also reported that they had seen the same truck driving near a cemetery halfway between the campsite and where the family was found. They said that the truck was full of people and that there was a dog in the area where the truck was. I don't know if it's actually driving when they see it. I'm so skeptical of eyewitness encounters, like all of it. I'm just skeptical. We've seen too many people lie and try to put themselves into investigations that really don't have accurate information. Yeah, no. It's like the guy with the cave. I'm skeptical of that. I'm just skeptical of everything. Police found a single bullet that belonged to a 22 Marlin manufactured rifle on the floor of the cave and another bullet in the dirt outside the cave. Richard's father actually commits suicide a few months after the family is found. But police are able to clear him of having any involvement in the murders. They just think that he was devastated and couldn't live with it. Which, I mean, I can, I fucking get it. That would be so hard. Now, one year after the family vanished, Lieutenant Mark Kieser with the state police would say, The whole nature of the thing smacks of a weirdo. We know a lot that we don't feel free to discuss. Fuck off, Lieutenant Mark. I agree. Like, but why at this point are we withholding information? Lieutenant Mark killed the family. (laughs) Okay. That's, I I firmly believe that he pulled the investigation away from the camps area. He's now saying the whole thing just smacks of a weirdo. I know. And there are things that we don't feel comfortable discussing. Lieutenant Mark did it. Lieutenant Mark Keezer. Okay, won. we have Madison's theory. Um, He's been hiding all these yeah. years. He's the one that killed them. Like I was going to say before Madison interrupted me, we don't know what the state police don't feel free to discuss, but I kind of think that it's either nothing or they literally know who did it, but they can't prove it. So we do have some suspects. We have, first off, Lieutenant Mark Keezer. Yep. And then second suspect, I guess, would be James Arthur Doan had been arrested for murdering a man on September 1. And he was suspected of possibly murdering another person on September 2. And this happened not far from where the Cowdens were murdered. Police were able to rule him out, though, after realizing that he would not have been able to kill the family and make it back in time for his own little murder spree in California. Sure. He also passed a polygraph test. Sure. But he was one of the earlier suspects. Another suspect we have, and I like this guy a little more, is Dwayne Lee Little. Okay, so little history about uh, Little here. On November 2 of 1964, at the age of 15, he raped and murdered a teenage girl named Orla Faye Phipps, and she was also 15. She had been out riding her horse when he attacked her, raped her, and stabbed her to death. Life in prison. This man should never see the light of day after the age of 15 because... But because he's 15, he would be convicted. But on May 24 of 1974, just over 10 years later, he would be released on parole 
And this would be three months before the Cowden family would be murdered. No. It was determined that Little had been in Cooper over the holiday weekend. And remember, Cooper's the town that their campsite is in. Also, the truck seen by the witnesses at the campground did not match the truck that Little's parents owned at the time. So Little's parents did own a truck at the time, but it didn't match the description that the family had given at the campground, which you cannot trust eyewitness anything. There was this one case. It was a kidnapping of a woman at a gas station, and there were multiple eyewitnesses mm-hmm. to it who I were literally that. sitting at the gas station pumping their own gas. Like, they were all And there was, right like, three there. different accounts of what color the truck was, right? Two. Two. The van was either... And it was either maroon or blue. So... You just can't trust it. I know. No. Now, Little and his parents would deny that they had been at the campground. Although a cabin owner... Nearby claimed that the family had been at his cabin and signed the guest book. And Little's girlfriend, when interviewed, said that she had seen Little with a 22 rifle during Christmas of 1974. And due to this witness account, his parole is revoked because it is a violation of his parole conditions to have a firearm. Yeah. His mother did own a 22 rifle, but that gun has never been found. So it cannot be compared to what we know. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, because someone fucking ditched it in a river or something after killing a family with it. Because that's what you do. You ditch the gun. Now, Little would get out on parole again in April of 1977. And on June 2nd of 1980, he would pick up a 23-year-old woman named Margie Hunter. After her car broke down near Portland, Oregon. She was also pregnant, by the way. He sexually assaulted her and tried to beat her to death, but she would actually survive. He would be charged with attempted murder and be sent back to jail. But he would never talk about or confess to any of his crimes. Although an inmate named Floyd something did say that Little confessed to killing the Cowden family. Uh, But who knows? Don't yeah, trust jailhouse snitches. I have, I have mixed emotions about that stuff because, like, yeah, if anyone's going to know about a crime, it's going to be the cellmate right. who, like, but they, they can They all lie, so... So, like, yeah, who know. knows? Little would refuse to take a polygraph, though. So he's never been polygraphed. I don't trust those anyway. Now, to this day... The Cowden family murders is still unsolved. We do not know who killed this family or why they killed this family. The lieutenant. (laughs) What's the lieutenant doing these days? Can we have him looked up, please? Oh, no. Apparently when I'm in a bad mood, I'm really blameworthy. You really are. You're annoying when you're in a bad mood. It's, It's a true story. We are going to go click over to our Patreon and we're going to record our bunker talk on this episode. But we already know where Maddie stands on this case. So it's going to be the lieutenant, I am sure, of it. Yeah, I have not kept my opinion to myself this recording at (laughs) all. There is cat pee on my shoes. I am not wearing the cat pee shoes. But in my bedroom right now, there is an entire bin of shoes covered in cat pee. So just remember that when you're listening to my ranting. Rant. Just me in this. Now, before we do that, we do have some new Patreons. 
So we have Catherine Huckabay. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Patreon. Sarah McKeon. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Kim Bott. Hi, Kim. Welcome. Kate Sutliff. Yeah. Hi, Kate. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Moon Peach. Hi, Moon Peach. I'm guessing that's just their screen name. Um, and then we have Carrie Whitlow. Hi, Carrie Whitlow. Hi, Aunt Carrie. She's the one that has the horses that we That's where about we earlier. were this weekend, yeah. And then we also have Jennifer Albright. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Patreon. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our Patreons for supporting us. You guys are seriously amazing. We love you so much. And of course, thank you for our regular listeners. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. Yeah, we so appreciate everybody. You guys are amazing. Um, um, oh, we also got our Patreon exclusive new sticker in the mail today. So those are going to be going out to our Patreons. And it's one of our sayings that we say a lot is what the sticker is. So um, if you want to get a free sticker, make sure you sign up for Patreon in the next week or two because we'll be sending all of those out probably by the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon. We went out of town this weekend, and when we came back, the cats are a little pissed off. We left. We have three cats. We separated them into two different parts of the house. We left a large bowl of food and a large bowl of water for the cats, one in each area. Like, large more enough bowl, than they would need. Like, at least four days worth of food. Yeah. At, at the least. Maybe even more. Yeah. And when bowls. we came back, the bowls were completely empty. No. The bowl upstairs was fine. The bowl upstairs yeah. had an appropriate amount of food. Mystic ate an appropriate amount of food for two days. The boys downstairs ate their entire bowl of food. So. Right. They've been having diarrhea, throwing up, and apparently they started pissing on things. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't even handle it. We did have a really good weekend, though. We went and rode some horses and played with some dogs and bunnies and cats. And yeah, Maddie was taken full advantage of by a horse who refused to listen to her commands. Okay. So I. I don't mind the horses taking advantage of me. If we want to go on a walk and they want to eat some food on the side, they want to pick out their favorite plant, they want to eat their red huckleberries, I am on a mission with them to help them find all the red huckleberry bushes they can find. Here's the problem, though. Maddie's not out in the woods with a horse by herself. She's out in the woods with other people who also are on horses that are behaving themselves. I ride with the kids. I don't get to ride with the adults but where you guys go running. But this is why. This is why you ride, ride with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> because, because you can't control your horse. But I could. I let them. It's not like I don't let them What about the What about when CJ was trying to go down the wrong trail and you couldn't get him to turn around? Oh, that was because I already had like two hours of him Completely doing whatever the fuck he wanted on our walk. So, so that's why he I did rode, that. I rode CJ the next day. You didn't ride CJ. Yes, I did. I rode Butters in the morning and I rode CJ in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. We went on two rides. We went on one after you left. Okay. So I'm riding CJ and Carrie's like, oh, I guess we can canter. For some reason, I was thinking CJ wouldn't listen out here in the woods, but he's doing great. And I was like, 
That's because Maddie wrote him yesterday, and she was like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I totally let them do it. We're just walking. We're literally just walking on trails, like horses walking on trails. There's multiple people on foot while we're walking. Like, it's not like we're all on horses, and I'm just, like, lollygagging back in the fucking back. Like, me and my horse are looking for red huckleberries. We find them. I help them get them, and then we, like, have to catch, catch up. up. <laughs> and then we just continue that. And then eventually... They always are like, oh, well, you're letting me do whatever I want, so I'm really going to do whatever I want. Right. And then he tries to go down different trails, and I'm like, you little shithead, come on. <laughs> you have to listen to me now. We'll be like, all of a sudden, where's Maddie? And she's like, back behind us on some random My horse trail. is trying to take a shortcut home, <laughs> is what's trying to happen. My horse knows where it's going, and it's trying mm-hmm. to go home. But here's the thing. When you're on a trail system like that, and there's other people, there's like walkers and bicyclists and stuff like that. If you're going to go cantering through these trails, like, your horse has to listen to everything that you are telling it to do. Which, when I have gone cantering, which is literally only one time ever I've ever gone cantering at Aunt Carrie's with you guys, my (laughs) horse was fine. My horse did completely fine. I Uh, rode Boo, and everything was completely fine. Yeah. (laughs) When I rode Boo, you rode CJ, and Carrie had Jingle Bell out. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Jingle Bell. We had the three, we had the whole family out. Right. And everything was fine. My horse wasn't taking advantage of me. My horse was being bullied by CJ the whole True. time. CJ is kind of a bully. He did really good for me, though, but he is kind of a bully. Well, of course he's going to bully his he little did sister. Get, he did get Carrie's horse to, like, get a little agitated because he was nipping at Carrie's horse because she took the newbie out. The, Ivy? Yeah, the newer horse that's only been ridden... Like, yeah. brand new broken in. Well, and also what happened was the one horse that they did bring out, Ivy, she thought she was going out with her friend, or um, Azula, who, yes, is named after Princess Azula from Avatar, in case anyone is curious. Mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. is 100% named after that. Yeah. But she thought she was going to go out riding with her friend, and then her friend has a hurt leg, so then she couldn't go out. So then they brought out CJ, and she was pissed. She was really... She was like... Or not, not CJ, sorry, they brought out Butters. Yeah, yeah. Butters is my yeah. aunt's biggest bully horse. He, like, nips at people. He bit my elbow while I was there because <laughs> he wanted an apple from me and knew that I had had apples earlier and, like... She didn't have any then, no, though. No, he yeah. was trying to search my pockets and bit my elbow, but... Yeah, and the new horse does not like bicycles, and so whenever a bicycle would, like, go rearing by, it would, like start and kind of freak out and the other horses are just like what's your problem it's just a bike it's a fucking bike and she's like what is that thing uh, beautiful horse though yeah so we had a good weekend that was fun um i don't know what that is and i don't want to lieutenant mark keezer that's how you spell lieutenant yeah you're kidding no that's lieutenant you're fucking kidding no, I promise. That's how you spell it. I hate the English language every day more and more. Yeah. Okay, well, that is not how you should spell lieutenant. L-I-E-U? What yeah. the fuck is that? Lou, like in lieu of is kind of spelled the same way. Lieutenant, I don't know. I actually did not create the spelling of this word. That so. is <laughs> the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Lou is L I E. You? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need three vowel- vowels together to make that word. To make that Lou. Well, somebody thought we did, so that's where we're at. Well, someone's stupid. I know. God. Okay. I know. Did you see the TikTok of the two guys in the cave? 
where they went hiking into like a cave system and they lost track of time. And when they got out of the cave, they had a bunch of messages and search and rescue was out looking for them because their mom had one of their moms had called uh, emergency services. And then they showed like the video of them like horsing around inside the cave. Like, meanwhile, while my mom is calling 911, one of them's giving the other one like a piggyback ride and he's acting like a horse and like they're just like screwing around in the cave. Jesus. 